Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Here's Donald. Carry it out. Deep ball. Separation. Caught. Robbie Anderson, goodbye, touchdown, Jets. The whole NFL is watching. A fourth and ten, and here they come. Make this pass. It's intercepted by Mosley. Maybe on down the top. Bell breaks a tackle. Bell trying to go all the way. Maybe on Bell, touchdown. Big return for Crowder, and he's going to go all the way. Touchdown, 85 yards. Looking downfield, fires this one, and intercepted at the 34. Jamal Adams goes down on the ground and takes it away. He'll hit immediately. He got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the Vivid Seat Studios, use the promo code OVERTIME to get yourself up to 100 bucks off your very first purchase. When you download the Vivid Seats mobile app, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And this is the Jets Eagles post game report. So for that, I am joined by the great beat reporter from NJ.com and New Jersey Advanced Media, Mr. Matt Stipulkowski, who had quite the busy day today at Lincoln Financial Field, where I also was. I raced home to record this with Matt. Matt is in an Uber on his way back after covering the game and writing a bunch of stuff for NJ.com. Matt, there was a lot to write about. Not a lot of it was positive. <laughs> uh, yeah, it seems like a continuing trend from the, the first three games of the season. Uh, turns out that the Jets did not fix all of their issues during the bye week. So, yeah, uh, a, lot, a lot of ugliness again today down in Philly. A lot to talk about here. Let's start with Luke Falk. I know that a lot of people are going to talk about the offensive line, and we will get to that. I know that a lot of people are going to talk about Adam Gase and the coaching, and we'll get to that too. I've said before that I think Luke Falk has a chance to develop into a solid backup in this league. I base that on his film at Washington State. I think that Adam Gase believed that as well, which is why he brought him in here from Miami. However, he has not done much to prove myself or Adam Gase correct so far. 
He was not good against the Patriots. He was even worse against the Eagles. Again, I know that a lot of people are going to talk about the offensive line, and we will get to that in a second, and they should talk about the offensive line. But Luke Falk was about as bad as you can be. He looked hesitant. He was throwing late. He was inaccurate. He was throwing interceptions. He got stripped. He just looked confused out there. And I know that a lot of people are going to talk about the fact that he didn't get any first-team reps this week. But again, and Matt, I'm curious to hear your opinion on this as well as we talk about this topic. This was a situation where Adam Gase realized that his only chance, only chance to win this game was if Sam Darnold was somehow cleared. So he took a shot. It was a calculated risk. He let Sam Darnold take all the first team reps, realizing that if Darnold couldn't play, it was a lost cause anyway. I still don't understand the people that believe that if Luke Falk had only taken some first team snaps, somehow he wasn't going to be this bad. You don't go from what he was today and what he was in the Patriot game to somehow magically good enough to compete against the Eagles on the road with some first-team snaps during the week. Yeah, lots to unpack there, but uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I I do think it's a little bit curious that Gase didn't give Falk at least some reps on Wednesday and Thursday since he knew that there was a chance that Falk could have to play in this game. But I, I mean, you know, Luke Falk, and, and I don't want this to come off as mean, but I think Luke Falk could have spent the last two months preparing for this game and it still might not have gone all that much better. I mean, he's a young guy and he's getting thrown into a really bad position. He's not being helped by the guys in front of him. He doesn't have that much talent around him. There's a confluence of events. And also, I mean, he, like you said, hasn't looked great either. So uh, do I think the Jets maybe should have gotten him a little bit more reps on Wednesday and Thursday? Probably it couldn't have hurt, but at the same time, I'm not going to kill them for not doing so because I don't know how much of an impact it really would have made. Probably very little, if any. Uh, but yeah, Luke Falk has not looked good. Um, but like I said, it's not like he's been put in a position to succeed. The, the offensive line has been terrible. And, uh, you know, you could go back and forth all day and say that Luke Falk has been bad because the offensive line hasn't been good, but you can say the offensive line has looked worse because they don't have a quarterback that's getting them into the right play calls in the right situations and like helping them out by moving around in the pocket and everything. So it's kind of a vicious cycle at this point. Everything is just feeding into it, uh, feeding into everything else with the jets. And uh, that's how you get the avalanche kind of rolling downhill here. Matt, like you, I don't want to be mean because I'm sure Luke Falk is a good guy, and this is not personal at all, but he could not see the field at all today. There were open receivers plenty of times that he just didn't see. Jamison Crowder at certain points was waving at him. Robbie Anderson was able to get open sometimes, and Luke Falk just didn't see them. And when he did release the ball, generally he would release it late, and so it would result in plays that would get broken up, or of course we talked about the interceptions. The offensive line was bad in this game. However, Luke Falk, as you said, made them look worse by holding on to the ball way too long zero pocket presence he was absolutely dreadful back there matt you know at a certain point that internal clock has got to kick in and you got to realize okay if nothing's doing i got to get rid of this ball and he just wasn't doing any of that today yeah exactly so there was a little bit of both there and actually when we talked to adam gase in the post-game press conference he mentioned that uh there was kind of a third reason for some of the sacks and that was the fact that sometimes receivers were running the wrong routes and then you know, Luke Falk didn't have anywhere to go with the ball on those occasions either. So uh, a nice confluence of events that led to all those 
10 sacks. So, um, you know, certainly not trying to say that the offensive line was good by any stretch. You know, at least a good portion of those 10 sacks were uh, guys just getting plain beat and Luke Falk never having a shot. Then there were others, like you said, where Falk hung onto the ball way too long. And then there were other instances, apparently, where guys were just not where they were supposed to be. And then that leads to everything else getting busted up and it all falls apart that way. So, um, yeah, uh, just a, a poor, perfect storm of, of hideous football from the Jets all around on the offensive side of the ball. The offensive line was terrible, as we said. We saw Chuma Dogo basically create a path several times. Kelvin Beecham was getting beat like a drum again today. So was Brian Winters. They tried to shuffle things around, but I guess in some sense it was like shuffling around deck chairs on the Titanic, as the saying goes. I really don't know what more they can do at this point. They can keep trying to mess around a little bit here and there, but for the most part, the guys that they have or the guys that they're going to have, Joe Douglas has one heck of a task ahead of him at the end of the season to completely rebuild this line from scratch. Chuma Doga is the only guy here who you can give some excuses to because he was a rookie four games into his first season, getting his very first start. So, in a sense, you say, all right, hopefully he lives and learns with this. These other guys are all veterans, and so that is not an excuse for them. Hopefully, Adoga will learn from this, and by the end of the season, he'll have proven that he belongs for the long term. Because otherwise, Matt, the Jets may need to look for five new starters next year, which is an almost impossible task. Yeah, and, you know, for the sake of this season, I, you know, it's, this just may not be fixable in the short term, and I know that's not what people are going to want to hear, but uh, there's a very good chance that this Jets offensive line just kind of is what it is at this point. I mean, their only hope at some point is that you got to pick five guys, roll with them week in, week out, and pray that the communication and the chemistry get a bit better as they go on and the cohesion kind of builds and they at least get up to a a passable level. But, uh, yeah, I mean, at this point, just like you said, the guys that they have are the guys that they have, and you can only – you know, you can only make a cake with the recipes, with the uh, ingredients you got. So uh, they, at this point, do not look like they're working with very good ingredients. And, you know, as a result, the the final product has not been pretty. So, yeah, uh, it's it's not good up front for the Jets. And, um, you know, I had a story during the bye week about, uh, you know, Damian Woody was saying, he said, this is what happens when you spend – the better part of a decade neglecting the offensive line and, you know, not drafting anyone in the first couple rounds. And uh, the Jets are paying the piper now. And like you said, Douglas is going to have a heck of a time this offseason trying to rebuild. The only good news is that basically everyone on this offensive line, uh, you know, the first, the five guys from the first three games, I don't want to lump Alex Lewis and Chuma Daga in this yet. Uh, I guess those guys get a little bit more leash, but those first five guys from the first three games, uh, you know, Beecham, Osemele, Khalil, Winters, Shell, all five of those guys the Jets can get rid of with no financial penalty, no dead money or anything like that after the end of this season. So uh, at least there's that. You know, they won't have to eat a bunch of salary cap space to try to get rid of these guys. Um, they can, you know, clear them out and start from scratch that way. But uh, finding five starters on the offensive line is, like you said, a near impossible task. So uh, it's going to require some draft or some free agency. It's going to require maybe some trade creativity. Uh, Joe Douglas is going to have a lot of work cut out for him to, to try to rebuild that group. Because like you said, I mean, it, it, there's, there's 
not much to work with and maybe you can salvage one or two pieces and try to you know patchwork it together that way but right now it, it is not looking good for the Jets up front Vladimir Dukas Chuma Adoga and Brian Winters are the only three offensive linemen that the Jets have picked in the third round or higher in that time period that you were talking about that Damian Woody highlighted. So, yes, they definitely need to change things. And I think that Joe Douglas made clear when he got the job that that was going to be one of his priorities. To make it even more stark, I mean, the, the Jets haven't drafted a first-round offensive lineman since Nick Mangold and DeBrickashaw Ferguson. So uh, it's been, what, 13 years now? So... Uh, they have not added elite talent to that group in a very, very, very long time. And, the, you know, this is the result. The results have not been pretty in any way, not when it comes to drafting, not when it comes to the players' performance today, not when it comes to the coaches' performance today, but there's still plenty of the season left. Dallas is coming into town this week. And if you're afraid to bet on the Jets against the Cowboys this week, and I wouldn't blame you. There are still some prop bets that you can get in on. Who's going to score the first touchdown? How many yards is Le'Veon Bell going to have? How many penalties will Tremaine Johnson get? Spoiler alert, it's going to be a lot. And that just scratches the surface. There's tons of bets that you can make over at MyBookie. And by the way, I highly recommend using my brother Craig's picks that he gives us every Sunday on the show. He was 3-1 and one again this week, and he hit on his teaser. He was killing it this Sunday, and he's been killing it all season. So you can take his picks or your own and go over and bet with MyBookie. And this month, MyBookie's got a great offer for you. You sign up at MyBookie.ag, use the promo code OVERTIME, and they'll match your first deposit. Again, promo code OVERTIME. New users get their first deposit doubled. MyBookie.ag. You play, you win, and you get paid. And Matt, one of the prop bets that you can make going into the Dallas game next Sunday could involve Adam Gase and his coaching. Let's talk about Adam Gase a little bit here. I know that a lot of people are already screaming for him to be fired and they're furious and they're saying the play calling was bad and that they needed to open the offense up a little bit more. And I completely understand those criticism of Gase. Matt, as you well know, I was very critical of the hiring of Adam Gase and I remain very skeptical of Adam Gase because I don't know that he's learned the lessons that led him to failure in Miami. However... It is really hard to blame him for that much of what's going on right now. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve some blame. I'm not saying he's doing a great job. However, after all the things we just talked about with a quarterback who couldn't see the field, who is holding the ball so long, who is a disaster on every single play, and an offensive line who is as bad as it could be, at a certain point, there's only so much that any coach can do. I know that that end-around play with Vincent Smith worked, and that was nice, but there's only so many gadget plays like that that are going to work. I'm not saying he couldn't try more, but ultimately, there's a limit, and I know that people are going to point to other teams that are doing okay with backup quarterbacks, but A, those are better teams with better talent, and B, I really wish people would stop talking about the Jaguars in this conversation because Gardner Minshew is good, so I think that at this point, we can stop talking about how the Jaguars are winning with some scrub quarterback picked in the sixth round. Gardner Minshew is a good quarterback, so that shouldn't be in the discussion here. Again, not saying Gase is doing a great job, not saying that there weren't more things he could try, but I'm really not looking to line up the firing squad here for him in a situation that looked completely untenable all day. 
Yeah, it's tough because uh, there have certainly been some warning signs, I would say, some red flags that have popped up over these last few games where you scratch your head and wonder what Adam Gase is doing. But like you said, I mean, it's, it's impossible to kind of – you can't really blame him for these losses. You can question some of the things he's doing. You can be skeptical of some of his moves. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's so many other problems that are kind of muddying the waters. So uh, I think the big thing is going to be once Sam Darnold gets back, once Chris Herndon gets back now, uh, you know, so the Jets are going to be kind of closer to their full-strength offense here pretty quickly. And then that's when you're really going to be able to evaluate Gase a little bit more effectively. Once those guys shake the rust a little bit and are, are back in the flow, if you still see some of these same problems popping up, then, you know, the quarterback and the talent level will have changed a bit, but the results are the same. Then, you know, I think the, the fingers will rightly start pointing at Gase a bit more. But uh, at this point, uh, you know, there are certainly some uh, things that have looked a little bit bad from Adam Gase's perspective, some interesting play calls, that fourth and one play call where they went with the jet sweep where Demarius Thomas looked like he had already run past Luke Falk when the ball was snapped and he played fake to no one. And then he tried to throw Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield. I mean, that was bizarre. There was the two point conversion where they're throwing a curl route to Ryan Griffin, who stopped short of the goal line for whatever reason, when you're, you're starting to play at the two yard line, I, you know, that doesn't make any sense. There's the fact that uh, most of this offensive line is the same guys that were here last year. And yet they somehow look significantly worse this year than they do last year. Maybe part of that is just them aging by a year, but you know, part of it is also they're in a different scheme now and that clearly isn't working well. So uh, there are some things where you can kind of point to coaching a little bit, but it's impossible to to blame Gase all the way at this point. Uh, It's going to be impossible to do that until Sam Darnold is back in the fold. So uh, that's really going to be the thing over the next, you know, handful of weeks here, really the rest of the season is, once Darnold's back in the fold, then you can kind of really start to evaluate Gase as a coach. But right now, I mean, there are just so many other factors muddying the waters that it's, it's impossible to really give him a completely fair shake. There's no question that he deserves some of the blame. I don't think anybody's arguing that, nor should they. But like you said, I feel like if we're going to evaluate him fairly, we've got to do so after he's got a little bit more at his disposal. At least just Sam Darnold, even if the other things around Sam Darnold don't change, let's at least see what he can do with Sam Darnold before we start going crazy and demanding that he get fired four games into the season. Let's talk about one bright spot on the offense, Matt. And that, of course, is Le'Veon Bell. I thought your tweet was pretty funny at the end of the first quarter when you said, it was the Eagles 14 and the Le'Veon Bell's nothing because that's really what it was. Le'Veon Bell was a one-man show. He was making plays out of nothing. He didn't have the gaudy stats that people would like him to have, but the reality is he has an offensive line that's not blocking for him, a quarterback that's not able to take any of the heat off of him, yet he was still making some plays out of the backfield, running the ball and catching the ball. And I really don't ever want to hear anybody question this guy's heart or his love of football or him being a great teammate ever again because when this game was long over in the second half and the Jets were just getting destroyed, this guy was trying so hard to get what would have really, let's be honest, been a meaningless first down by hurtling or attempting to jump over like three defenders from the Philadelphia Eagles. Probably unwise, to be honest, because you're risking getting hurt there for no reason. 
But that is all heart. Le'Veon Bell has shown that he is willing to come in, put in the work, and do everything he can to try and earn that money that the Jets gave him. So if there's any bright spot on the Jets' offense today, it was, again, for the fourth time this season, Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, he is busting it, man. And he, uh, yeah, the first quarter, I think it was five carries and four catches, if I remember right, for Bell. And he literally had all of the touches. There was one target to Demarius Thomas, I believe it was, that was incomplete during the first quarter. Bell literally got all of the plays from the Jets. It was unbelievable. The, the, the dude was their offense in the first, first quarter. He was fighting for every extra yard he could possibly pick up. And like you said, kind of to his own detriment at some point, there was, uh, you know, that hurdle, which was probably a terrible idea. There was another one I remember early on in the game where he had kind of gotten caught from behind and a guy had a, an Eagles defender had his leg wrapped up and he still was kind of trying to drag him. And, uh, you know, he wound up getting wrapped up from behind and brought down. And that was the best case scenario for him because he was kind of vulnerable for a free big shot there. It, you know, at some point, I'm sure Adam Gase would like him to just start going down. Not that, you know, he wants to surrender any more than the Jets offense already is, but uh, the last thing this offense needs is, is Le'Veon Bell getting banged up too. But, yeah, like you said, no one can question this guy's motor. I mean, he is going full throttle at all times, even when the game is completely out of hand at this point. So uh, he, he's been worth every penny for the Jets so far, even if they haven't gotten close to full value out of him because of all the other you know brutal issues across the offense. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Matt, let's talk a little bit about the defense now, and let's start with Tremaine Johnson. I'm not sure why he was playing today. I thought that he was better when he was on the bench not playing, to be honest. That's when I liked him best this season. And Nate Hairston looked perfectly fine to me during warm-ups. Yet, there was Tremaine Johnson out there getting beat like a drum all over the field the entire game. He was getting called for penalties. This was another disaster. I'm not sure why he was out there. I'm not sure why Nate Hairston wasn't out there. I'm hoping that you have some answers on this or that at least the coaching staff provided some clarity after the game made absolutely no sense. I'm done with Tremaine Johnson. I would like him to be benched until such time that they can release him. I have no hope left for him. Yeah, uh, so you're probably not going to love the answer here then because Gase basically just said that they think Tremaine Johnson has practiced pretty well of late and so that's why they put him back in there. So... um no, I, I guess he was looking good on the practice field. He certainly did not look good on the actual field today. 
Um, turns out that he still cannot defend a crossing route. Uh, those have befuddled him all season long, and that remained the case today. And like you said, I mean, he was getting called for penalties left and right, and it was just an ugly showing all around. It was um, honestly, I mean, like I said, ugly all around, but also just not unexpected because this is what we've been seeing from Tremaine Johnson for uh, almost a season and a half now. And it's, uh, you know, at some point it's just what you expect. So I don't know if the Jets really thought that they were going to get something better out of him today, but um, they put him back in there. They showed some trust in him and it, it did not pan out. Uh, instead, it was just kind of more of the same for Tremaine. I want to talk a little bit about Quinn and Williams too, Matt. He had several QB pressures and almost had a sack. He should have. He actually let Carson Wentz out of his grip. And listen, let's be fair. Carson Wentz is one of the best quarterbacks in the league and very good at getting out of situations like that. But still, it would have been nice if Quinn and Williams could have finished the job there. But for his very first full game in the NFL, this seemed to me to be a pretty good one. Like I said, several QB pressures. Almost had that sack, several run stuffs. I know he had that one play where he allowed his blocker to hold him, and so they had that big run. But still, this to me felt like a really solid game. Unfortunately, there's a large segment of the fan base that feels otherwise. I guess they think that if he's not getting multiple sacks a game, then he's a bust because they picked him at number three overall. But to me, very effective. The rest of the defensive line, not quite as much. Leonard Williams... Quiet once again. Henry Anderson, we're going to get to him later because it looked like he had some sort of injury, and I'm sure you have an update on that. What did you think of the defensive line's performance today? Yeah, this is going to be one of those things where it's. Uh, I'm going to be curious to watch the tape because uh, I'll be honest with you. I mean, when the offense is looking that bad, and you know, other parts of the defense are breaking down that badly, you know, at some point I just start to going to go a little bit numb and I'm writing at the same time too. So I, I wasn't completely locked in on Quinnen as much as I should be. So, uh, you know, I saw his, his style line, of course, and I saw a few of those plays and, uh, you know, it, it seems like he had a, a pretty solid game, but, uh, at the same time, you know, we haven't seen any of those splash plays from him yet at all, you know, between the preseason games and between the first two games of his career here. So, um, you know, I, I do think on its face, it looks like this was a better performance for him, but maybe not the kind of explosive performance you would like to see from him. But again, I'm going to be curious just to watch the tape and kind of keep an eye on him a little bit more closely here um, just to, to see how he really was faring. Because, uh, you know, sometimes the stats in the box score don't paint the whole picture here. But uh, yeah, like you said, I mean, Leonard, very quiet again. For the most part, uh, the defensive line was fine i suppose they were certainly not the problem the defensive line was all right the defense as a whole was all right um you know save for truman johnson really i mean the defense gives up 17 points the offense gave up 14 points so you know the the defense was fine as they've been for the last couple weeks here um they're playing well enough to at least you know compete and make the game close if not win these games if the offense was doing its fair share of the bargain but um, you know, that is certainly not happening at this point. And that starts to kind of trickle over and cloud everything else. So, um, like I said, going to be interested to, to go back and kind of spotlight Quinn a little bit more when I watch the tape back on Monday here. But, um, for now, I suppose I would say solid, but, uh, a little bit unremarkable in that aspect, just because we haven't seen him make any of those big kind of game changing plays yet. 
We'll see if he starts to do that over the course of the rest of the season. The defense is mostly playing bend but don't break, as they have for much of the season so far. And I thought that, as you said, they weren't the problem. They weren't necessarily great or anything like that, but they only gave up 17 points. And in a situation like that, you should be competitive most days. And to be fair, though, Carson Wentz did help them out with some really bad throws. He had a couple of times where some receivers were wide open and he just missed them. So that didn't help matters for the Eagles either. Let's talk a little bit about Jamal Adams here. I thought he played fine. I didn't understand why he wasn't matched up on Zach Ertz for pretty much the entire day, though. Jamal has done very well against tight ends, and Ertz is one of the best in the league. You would think you'd want to neutralize him with the guy on the field that has the best chance to stop him. Yeah, I was confused by that as well. And me and Connor Hughes uh, from The Athletic, we were talking about that in the, the press box a little bit, too. So kind of tear down the fourth wall a bit there, I guess, peek behind the scenes. I mean, we, we were wondering the same thing because, uh, like you said, Jamal's been really good against tight ends. I mean, he more or less shot down Rob Gronkowski when they played the Pats last year. So um, I just assumed coming into this game that Zach Ertz was going to be lining up against Jamal Adams most of the day. In fact, uh, if anyone had picked up a print edition of the Star Ledger, I made that one of my three key matchups for the Jets. And then, as it turns out, they didn't really match up against one another all that often. So uh, I was surprised by that, too. Um, I would have expected Jamal to be covering him like a blanket all uh, all afternoon. But uh, I guess Greg Williams had other ideas. Um, but again, not the Jets' biggest issue. It was probably not ideal, but um, fine enough. Uh, I don't know. Every time the defense comes up at this point, it's just more or less a big shrug from me just because – uh, it's tough to get too worked up about much on that side of the ball when you see the house absolutely on fire across the street. Matt, you talked about red flags with Adam Gase earlier, and one of them certainly is penalties. The Jets have just been getting way too many penalties. Now, I know that a fair number of them were attributed to the aforementioned Tremaine Johnson, but again, just far too many of them overall for this team. They've got to fix that, especially when you're a team that has no margin for error to begin with. If you're going to be giving away opportunities like that to a team that's so much better than you when you're on the road to begin with, and by the way, we're not even counting the two penalties that were called on the same play on the offensive line that ended up getting declined, it's embarrassing, but it's also completely detrimental to any chance you have to win. The Jets had very little chance to win to begin with today. The turnovers and the penalties more or less killed any chance they had completely dead. Yeah, I mean, the lack of discipline is very concerning for sure. That is always a kind of an indictment of leadership and coaching. And, uh, you know, that was one of the Jets fans, you know, and the Jets, it was one of their big bugaboos in the Todd Bowles era. How many times were there just brutal unforced errors, penalties at the worst times, you know, big game-changing penalties. And, uh, you know, the hope was that that would change under a new coach and things would get cleaned up with, uh, you know, a new sense of discipline and order. And instead, it's just been more of the same, uh, you know, on that front from the Jets. So, uh, you know, pretty frustrating to watch, I'm sure, for fans. Uh, the Jets just continue to shoot themselves in the foot. It's amazing that they're able to walk by the fourth quarter of some of these games uh, with all the bullet holes in there. But, uh, you know, they they soldier on. I suppose it, it's it's bad. I mean, like you said, the the one play where they had two penalties, both declined, and then they managed to take a delay of game on the very next snap. So uh, just a, a brutal sequence there, and 
Tremaine Johnson, like you said, drew the yellow flag a ton. It, you know, uh, if it was a one-off in a on a bad day with a decimated roster against you know the Eagles who won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, you could shrug a little bit. But the fact that it's four games now and it, it has happened basically every single week here, it, you know, this is a trend at this point. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Matt, let's head into the locker room. What did Coach Adam Gase have to say other than the fact that Apparently, Tremaine Johnson practiced well during the week, which would have made me want to strangle him had I been in the press room. And I hope that he doesn't use that as an excuse the next time Tremaine Johnson gets beat like a drum all day and draws a thousand penalty flags. What else did he have to say besides that? Uh, it was mostly just him kind of taking responsibility for the offense. You know, he said a couple times that this is on him and that, you know, he's got to fix it. And he, his message to the team was basically that after the game that, you know, uh, you know, we all know that there's two sides of the ball that are playing well on defense special teams, and we know which side of the ball isn't, and that's on me. I'll get it fixed. So, you know, that was kind of the overarching message from Adam Gase after this one. And, um, I suppose that at least was a little bit of a bright side. You know, he stood up and took some ownership and accountability right off the bat, uh, which hasn't always been the case after games this season. So, uh, he was quick to point the finger at himself. Um, and, you know, he, he wasn't killing anyone and throwing anyone under the bus. But uh, I did find it a little alarming, uh, you know, when he said that receivers were running the wrong routes. And uh, I guess we'll get to this in a second when we get to some other players' quotes from inside the locker room. But that, in conjunction with some other things I heard, kind of, you know, raised my eyebrows a bit. Well, my eyebrows are raised after you just said that. So why don't you tell me what the other players in the locker room had to say? Yeah, there. That's just that's called a radio tease, Scott. I don't know if you're uh, familiar here. I was just trying to get the listeners uh, perked up here. But uh, <laughs> Le'Veon Bell was the guy that had me kind of shrug, like really concerned. Uh, he basically said at one point that uh, when you know the team is practicing all week and they're calling the same plays all week in practice and they're getting ready, and then you get into the game. And uh, he had mentioned just before this that you know sometimes it's tough to communicate because of the crowd noise and everything. So he said you know, sometimes in the game, you're not going to hear the full play call, basically saying that, you know, you're going to hear bits and pieces of it. You're going to hear some words, not others, but that you have to be able to, you know, stitch together the play call in your mind based on the fact that you've been calling these plays in practice all week that, you know, hearing 50 to 75% of the, the play call should be enough that you know what it is. Um, but he said that the Jets, you know, didn't do a good enough job with that today and that that puts a lot of strain on Luke Falk because then he has to make sure that guys are lined up in the right spots and that the protection is right and everything like that. So 
you know, more or less to me, that is an indictment of the fact that, you know, he's basically saying that the Jets were getting to the line of scrimmage at points and didn't really know what they were doing at the line of scrimmage. And that syncs up a bit with the fact that Gase was saying that receivers at times were running the wrong pattern. So, um, you know, that's not good. You don't want professional football players getting to the line of scrimmage at an NFL game and not knowing what they're doing on that play. Uh, that seems like a bad, bad recipe. So uh, that certainly raised some red flags for me. And, uh, you know, in my book, at least, that seems like an indictment of leadership, an indictment of coaching. You know, it, it falls on everyone to, to focus and have the mental acuity to um, be locked in enough and, you know, get that stuff nailed down. But when it's a widespread issue throughout the team, you know, it always kind of trickles back up to the top. So uh, that was something that I heard in the locker room today that really just, uh, you know, had me wondering a little bit about what's going on in practice over these first five weeks. No question about it. And when Gase was hired, I said at the time that play calling was not what Jets fans had to worry about as their primary concern. What they had to worry about were a lot of the other aspects of coaching, being able to keep a handle on the team, discipline, making sure that he managed personalities, managed staff, was able to make the proper decisions, so on and so forth. And that goes into the category of what I was talking about. That is on the head coach, no question about it, and he has got to fix that. I don't care what's going on with Luke Falk or the offensive line or any of that. There's no excuse for what you just talked about because those kinds of communication issues are right at the heart of coaching. And so even if Luke Falk was going to be terrible all day and the offensive line wasn't going to be able to block, everybody still should have known what they were doing at least. Yeah, you would certainly hope so. It, it, you know, it certainly makes it a lot harder to run a play when you've got 11 guys on the field and some of them may or may not on a given snap know what their assignments are, what their responsibilities are. So uh, that was certainly concerning. But on the bright side, Le'Veon Bell also said that he thinks that the Jets are close. So um, I'm not entirely sure how those two concepts square. But, uh, you know, he managed to basically send them back to back. He thinks that this team is close to a breakout. So um, take that for whatever it's worth to you. Uh, and other than that, I spoke with Kelvin Beecham and Ryan Khalil, uh, both of whom but basically just said that, you know, obviously the offensive line has to be better. And, um, you know, they, they pointed to a whole host of issues, but it's, it was basically more of the same. I mean, if you, if you look up the quotes from the last three games, you could just change the date on them and it'd be the same as today. Um, Kelvin Beecham just, basically kept repeating that it, it takes all 11 guys. It takes all 11 guys. And that clearly wasn't happening today. Uh, you know, Ryan Khalil, again, you know, communication issues and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, these guys are defaulting to the same answers that it's been the last few weeks. And, uh, you know, Khalil, I remember was asked at one point if it's demoralizing at all that the Jets, you know, basically spent the last two weeks trying to fix the offensive line and, uh, came back and instead of having things fixed, they, you know, showed up with their worst performance to date. And, uh, there wasn't really a, a good direct answer there. You know, it was just more about how they have to c keep continue to work and get better. So, um, yeah, it, it was, it was more of the same really from the Jets offensive line or at least the Jets offensive lineman that I got a chance to speak with. So, uh, not sure how informative that is or how much Jets fans are going to want to hear that, but that's more or less what was happening inside the locker room. It was clearly not an upbeat scene and, uh, maybe not the most 
insightful scene either just uh, you know how much more can you say after the fourth straight loss when they just keep kind of following the same template final score 31 6 i guess the silver lining here is that the jets probably should have lost by a lot more than that if the eagles would have capitalized on some more opportunities it probably could have been something like 56 to 6 by the way matt since the two of us were both there in person i wanted to see if you noticed what i did which was that a the stadium was far louder throughout the game than I've heard MetLife Stadium in years. And B, unlike MetLife Stadium, where you will constantly see a ton of jerseys of the opposing team, I saw maybe 5 to 10 Jets jerseys the entire time I was walking around Lincoln Financial Field. Definitely a good crowd at the link, for sure. Some good energy in there. I was honestly impressed how enthusiastic they were throughout the game, just uh Maybe maybe all of us are a little bit jaded, but I mean, you know, it, they're they're Eagles fans watching their team play a game that felt like a, an inevitability, and yet they still managed to get excited about it. So good for them in that regard. But um, yeah, I didn't see a, a ton of Jets fans either. I did see some here and there. I would say that maybe the fact that both teams wear green uh, helps mask it a little bit. Um, but it's not. There were certainly not like huge pockets of Jets fans by any means, but uh, part of that may also be the fact that uh, perhaps at 0-3, Jets fans weren't super quick to go pay a bunch of money on the secondary ticket market to, to make the trip down the Jersey Turnpike. Um, so, yeah, but it was it was fun, uh, fun atmosphere at Lincoln Financial Field, even if the uh, actual product on the field wasn't all that fun. It, it was a, you know, pretty good weather day for a game, you know, uh, I don't know how it was outside there for you, but it seemed like to me when I was getting to the stadium, uh, decent weather. You didn't have to worry about being hot or cold, really. Uh, you know, good crowd. So what more could you ask for other than, you know, a, a competitive and compelling football game? <laughs> yeah, I found the same thing with the weather. It wasn't too hot. It wasn't too cold. It was just right. I would call it the Goldilocks temperature. There was one other thing that I noticed about Philly, by the way. I thought this is really cool. I'm wondering if you agree on this, too. They have their three major sports stadiums all next to each other in a row. So you've got Lincoln Financial Field for the Eagles right next to Citizens Bank Park, which is the stadium for the Philadelphia Phillies. And then I can't remember the name of the arena for both the 76ers and the Flyers, but that's right next to it, too. I think that's awesome because that means that, let's say, you're talking about a Sunday in September. You could maybe go to the Eagles game and then right afterwards go to the Philadelphia Phillies game if the Phillies game is at night or vice versa. And then you could do the same thing later in the season if the Flyers or the 76ers have a game that's either after or before the Eagles. I just think that's really awesome because it's a lot more difficult to do in New York. Let's say you wanted to go from a Jets game to a Mets game or something like that. It's a bit of a trek. So that was something else that I noticed in addition to the lively crowd, the weather, and the fact that there weren't too many opposing jerseys is that convenience. I don't know if there's any way that anything like that could ever be built in the New York area, but if it can, that would be awesome. Well, I mean, they, I, to an extent, that you know, they used to have that with the Devils in the Continental Airlines mm-hmm. Arena right across the street from, uh, or right in the same parking lot as the old Giants Stadium. Obviously, you know, the Continental Airlines Arena, Eisenhower Center these days, more or less defunct at this point. But uh, yeah, it is a cool setup down there for sure. Um, and uh, me and Andy Vasquez were talking as we walked into the stadium. and He said, uh, you know, man, they managed to build this stadium in the middle of a gigantic parking lot and yet it is still more interesting than MetLife Stadium so 
uh, yeah, they did a nice job. It's, it's a nice building. Lincoln Financial Field's a cool building. Uh, Citizens Bank Park, beautiful from the outside. I've heard nothing but good things from about the inside, though I haven't gotten a chance to actually visit it myself yet. Um, but yeah, it's a cool setup. They have like kind of a little like bar set up there as well, right near the the old Wachovia Center. I can't remember its name right now either, where the Flyers play. But uh, Xfinity Live, I think they call it. There's like some bars and like kind of a cool tailgate set up too. So you can go hang out there before and after the games. Um, I saw people milling about there when I left the stadium around 6:30 still. So uh, very cool setup in Philadelphia. They did a nice job with it, and you know just lends to the overall game, game day atmosphere for sure. And on hand today in the crowd, such various celebrities as Reese Hoskins and Bryce Harper from the Philadelphia Phillies, Ben Simmons of the 76ers, Mike Trout, the best baseball player in Major League Baseball of the Anaheim Angels, and of course, Matt Stiplikowski of NJ.com and Scott Mason of the Play Like a Jet podcast. So all the stars were out today in Philadelphia. (laughs) Matt, thanks so much for joining me on this post-game report. Really appreciate it, as always. I know you've got a ton of stuff that is going to be up at NJ.com and that is already up at NJ.com in the wake of this game. What can people expect to see when they head over to NJ.com slash Jets? Yeah, so I had kind of my five takeaways right at the end of the game there and uh, wrote some more about that. Those Bell and Gates, Gates quotes that I mentioned a little while ago here. Uh, as well as some other stuff, I have just kind of a clip of Bell talking at one point uh, inside the locker room. So if you want to see what he uh, looked like after the game and what he had to say, head on over there. Uh, also have some kind of just historical stats and putting these first four games into perspective in that regard for the Jets, uh, as well as one or two other things that are going to be going up as well. Kind of a, a look back after the first quarter of the season. So uh, head on over to com slash Jets. Twitter, it's M underscore Stipplekuski. That's S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. Give me a follow over there. And, uh, you know, I know uh, things aren't looking so great for these last 12 games here. Things are looking a little bleak, but, uh, you know, keep following along. There's going to be plenty more news and notes and analysis and all that good stuff as the season moves along here. To your point, Matt, Sam Darnold will be back soon enough, and the schedule is going to get easier once they get through the first six or seven games. So we'll see what happens on the back end. Remember, the Jets did close strong last year. Even if they didn't win a lot of games, Darnold played excellent that last month. So hopefully we'll see something along those lines to close the season. So like Matt said, stick with us. Make sure you're reading Matt's great work over at NJ.com slash Jets. Follow him on Twitter at M underscore S-T-Y-P-U-L-K-O-S-K-I. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.